Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and today we're going to be having a discussion with pro-life activist, best-selling author, and the subject of an upcoming pro-life film, Abby Johnson. But before we get into the interview, I just want to let you all know about LifeSite's spring campaign, where you can donate to the work that they do exposing the truth about what's actually going on in society at large. I know a lot of you depend on LifeSite because it's very difficult to get news from other places, especially when the pro-life and pro-family movement is so universally discriminated against in the mainstream media. So you can head over to LifeSiteNews.com or simply click the link in the description of this podcast to donate. Again, this work is very important, and if you want to listen to discussions like the one that we're going to be having today, or if you want to find uh, news that you can actually trust, then LifeSite's mission is well worth supporting. So today we're going to be talking to somebody who scarcely needs an uh, an introduction if you're at all familiar with the pro-life movement, and that would be uh, Abby Johnson. And what makes Abby Johnson unique among pro-life activists is that she actually worked for Planned Parenthood uh, for eight years. And that all changed for her on September 26, 2009, when Abby was asked to assist with an ultrasound-guided abortion. And she watched in absolute horror as a 13-week baby on that screen fought for and then ultimately lost its life at the hands of an abortionist. And that story opens... Uh, her very popular book, Unplanned, the dramatic true story of a former Planned Parenthood leader's eye-opening journey across the lifeline. Now, I don't want to get into too many details of her story because that's what she's coming on to talk about. But she also wrote another book in 2016 called The Walls Are Talking, Former Abortion Clinic Workers Tell Their Stories because Abby's pro-life mission now is to try and bring people out of the abortion industry by introducing them to the truth and helping them see what's actually going on, helping them see the light when they've been walking in darkness and working for this barbaric industry. Her name has been in the news a lot lately because in addition to having written these two books, there's actually a film coming out now that's based on her book, Unplanned. Uh, The entire intention of this film is to highlight uh, what the abortion debate is all about for the public at large, and Abby Johnson and those who work with her are really hoping that this is going to shine a light into the abortion industry and that it's going to send Planned Parenthood and the rest of the abortion providers reeling as nothing else has. The abortion industry has wanted to suppress Abby Johnson as well as her organization, and then there were none for many, many years. They have not succeeded yet, and as you're about to hear, I don't think they'll succeed anytime soon. So without further introduction, here is my conversation with pro-life activist, author, and again, the subject of an upcoming film, Abby Johnson. I know most of our listeners are probably pretty familiar with your story, but for the few who aren't, how did you end up uh, working for a Planned Parenthood clinic in the first place? Sure. Um, I was um, a college student. I didn't really know anything about Planned Parenthood, didn't know anything about the organization. I was approached by a woman who was trying to recruit students to come and work for the local clinic there. Um, She started talking to me about Planned Parenthood, giving me all the standard talking points that we all hear all the time about how they're there to help women and serve women. And um, 
And, I, you know, for me, I just thought, well, you know, this sounds like a good organization. She did ask me what I thought about abortion. I, I told her that, um, that I was, I was raised pro-life and mm-hmm. she told me that, you know, she thought that was great. And, you know, pro-lifers, they just, you know, they just didn't understand about back alley abortions. She started talking to me about that. And, you know, honestly, I was really naive and, and very ignorant to either side of this issue and was very easily convinced by her. I mean, this was her job, right, right to go out and to sort of sell their talking points, um, that they were on the right side of, of this debate and, and not really knowing that there was this heated debate um, about abortion. And so I was just really naive and, and got involved that way. And, you know, once I was in, I started meeting these women and um, I really did think that I was I was doing the best thing for them, that I was doing the right thing um, at that time. And so when do you remember when you were experiencing, I've read your book and, and especially a lot of the columns that you've written specifically about the sorts of things you saw and the things that you witnessed and experienced inside the Planned Parenthood clinic. And I think that's so fascinating to people because there's so few people who worked inside a clinic who are now willing to openly tell their stories. What were some of the things that you experienced inside the Planned Parenthood clinic that in retrospect um, made you look back and say, wow, I can't believe I didn't see that at the time because you've written a lot of columns detailing those specific experiences. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think 2009 was really a, that was a pivotal year for me. That was the year that I left the clinic. Um, but I was really getting into high branches of management with Planned Parenthood. I was sitting in on, you know, uh, really confidential meetings with National Abortion Federation and uh, Planned Parenthood and, and NARAL. And just this, this whole idea that, you know, we were there to help women, I, I learned that that was really a, a farce. Um, you know, I, I learned that, I remember my boss telling me so clearly, I remember we were talking about these patients, they didn't have money, and can we just see them anyway? And this wasn't even for abortion, this was for something else. And, right. You know, and I remember my boss telling me, because uh, I said, you know, we're a nonprofit, like we're a charitable organization. She said, nonprofit is a tax status, not a business status. And, you know, it was in those meetings, in those moments, even that year I learned that we were expanding abortion to uh, or through the six months of pregnancy um, at our affiliate. That was very troublesome to me. I, I had always said that I, w- I would never um, support abortion past the point of viability. Um, and. I know for some people that's like, you know, way to have morals. But I mean, really, most people who are pro-choice do have a line in the sand. Right. And for most people who support abortion, that line of viability, that's where it is. And that's where mine was, um, too. And then being instructed to double our abortion quota, a certain number of abortions that we had to sell to women, um, all of that just really flew in the face of what I thought we were 
word about, um, you know, for so long. I mean, you know, gosh, Presidents Clinton, uh, Obama, you know, different people, even the president of Planned Parenthood at the time, Bill Richards, going on TV and saying, you know, our goal at Planned Parenthood is to keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. Um, yet, okay, if that's true, then why are we doubling our abortion quota? Why do we have an abortion quota to begin with? Um, all of those different sort of realities that I was confronted with really caused me to look back over my eight years with the organization and say, wait a minute, is it that the organization is changing or is it just that now I'm finally seeing what we've been about all along? And all of those little things sort of added up to, I think, a softening of my heart and really allowing me to see uh, with clear eyes what I saw on that ultrasound-guided abortion, seeing this child uh, fighting and struggling for his life and knowing that, you know, here I have been for eight years. Um telling people, telling myself, that a woman's right always superseded the right of her child, yet I was confronted with this reality that our humanity was equal, that our dignity was equal. And because of that, I knew that that I was on the wrong side of this debate and so ended up leaving. So leading up to that moment where you you saw the baby on the ultrasound being aborted is... Am I hearing you correctly when you say it's it's nothing you heard from pro-lifers? It's actually the things that you heard uh, the abortion activists and the Planned Parenthood staff members and those business leaders. It was the things you heard from them behind closed doors that started moving you away from them as opposed to anything you heard from pro-lifers. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that there were there were definitely seeds of truth that I heard. You know, I used to go as you know, a spy at pro-life events and things like that. Um, and I think there were seeds of truth there. I grew up in a pro-life home, so I, you know, I sort of, that was that was pretty familiar to me, the, the pro-life argument, um, I guess. I mean, once I recall, you know, once I would go to these events, I would say, oh, yes, I, you know, I remember hearing my parents say that. Um, it wasn't necessarily, though, I, the most impactful thing that they ever, it wasn't really what they said, but it was how they treated me, how the people on the sidewalk treated me. And it wasn't yelling in my face or calling me a killer or a murderer. It was simply reaching out. And not that they didn't confront me with hard truths sometimes. Sometimes they did. Um, but, you know, telling me all the time. I mean, for eight years, telling me, if you ever want to leave, we're here. We'll help you get another job. We'll help you get on your feet. You don't have to do it alone. So when I saw, you know, it was all, um, it, it was an important combination, right? Because I saw the truth of what was happening inside of these clinics. But then I also, ha I knew that I had a really strong support system to go to. And so when I left, it, you know, it would have been very easy for me to just say, okay, I'm leaving my job. I'm just going to go slink away, get another job, and never talk about it again. But I knew that I had the support of these people on the sidewalk who had always been respectful and kind um, to 
to me. And so that was where I felt drawn to go. And, you know, and incredibly thankful for the support that, that they showed and, and that they offered. When you say that in these upper level meetings, you guys were asked to, to sell more abortions, essentially, to contribute uh, income to the business model. How how exactly did they say you should sell abortions? Because how, how do you do that exactly? I understand, and you've written about this at length, how abortion is just presented as part of health care. And so you sort of blunt the uh, the in- instinctive discomfort people have about abortion by uh, presenting it as part of this package that includes mammograms and all these things. But how, in terms of making money, would you sell more abortions? How is that accomplished? So um, our directive was to turn every encounter, whether on the phone or whether in the clinic, every patient encounter into a revenue-generating visit. So... If a woman comes to us and she says, I'm pregnant, um, there's really only, there is only one way that we can turn that visit into a revenue generating visit, and that is to sell her an abortion, to give her an abortion, because Planned Parenthood is not in the business of providing prenatal care. Um, It's not like they have some sort of adoption referral resource where they get money off of that. Right. Um, so the only way that we could make money off of a pregnant woman was to sell her an abortion. And so we were trained how to do that. Uh, we were trained how to overcome various objections that she may have to abortion, particularly religious um, arguments, because we know that the majority of women walking into abortion clinics to have abortions identify as Christian. So it it was important to us that we had some arguments to go against questions like, um, do you believe God will ever forgive me? Do you believe abortion is a sin? Um, Things like that. And so, you know, you're trained how to sell a product. Uh, We, we would give, we would say, well, we can do, you know, we could go ahead and do an ultrasound today, find out, how far along you are, they would say, okay, they give us $100, then we would take them back into the room and say, okay, well, if you go ahead and schedule an abortion today, I'm authorized to credit this $100 to your abortion procedure. Um, Otherwise, if you don't schedule, then you're going to be out this $100 and you'll have to pay it again. So there's different techniques that we use to really sell this product to the women who are walking in. You discussed uh, at length in, in several other interviews, as well as in one column I read, uh, what it was like to actually see the parts of the babies after the abortion was completed. How did the clinic workers react to seeing that? Um, you know, so for me, um, it didn't really bother me when I saw when I saw it for the first time. Um. For some, for some clinic workers, it, it, you know, they didn't want to see it. They just thought it was gross. Um, they didn't want to see all the blood. Um, you know, but for the group of us who who worked uh, back in that that POC lab, that product of conception lab, um, 
it's hard to, to really explain. I really don't have an explanation, but doing that work, piecing the, the body parts of those babies together, um, was, it was not something that, um, was bothersome for, for us. After the, the baby body part scandal broke, uh, which Planned Parenthood immediately denied all the findings of the Center for Medical Progress, I, I came up, I remember you came out and you actually said, no, Planned Parenthood is lying. This is actually taking place. And to this day, Planned Parenthood is still denying that any of that happened. And they're trying desperately to make sure that none of the remaining footage that's possessed by the Center for Medical Progress ever comes out. What is Planned Parenthood actually doing? Speaking as somebody who actually worked behind the scenes for almost 10 years. So, yeah, I mean... It's interesting to me that they even try to de- – well, I guess what they're denying is that they make income off of it, right? right. So, you know, they're not denying that um, that this research on aborted tissue, this futile research, actually takes place. You know, when I worked at Planned Parenthood, I mean, I was involved in, in a clinic and an affiliate that, that did um, participate in that program. Um. And it's all, you know, it's all very, um, you know, the term of art in the law is, is valuable consideration. So um, you have to be able to basically justify where the money is going. So for us, we had a study called the Antioxidant Study that was an aborted baby uh, study. We sent the entire baby to uh, this lab tech company called Antioxidus. Um, and we got about $200 per baby that we sent over there. Um, as long as they line item it correctly, then technically, as long as it's not a government-funded research program, then it was legal. In Texas now, it's not anymore. We passed laws to to ban uh, monetary transactions um, for uh, aborted body parts. But uh, at the time, it, it that was legal. So what they would do is they would say, okay, uh, two hundred dollars. Because we're going to take two hundred dollars, antioxidants, and give us two hundred bucks. Um, we're going to line item that out. So we're going to say that fifty dollars went to processing. We're going to say that $50 went to handling. We're going to say that um, $50 went to storage and $50 went to uh, transit, to, to shipping, okay? Then as long as they do that and they have the books to show that, then they say, okay, well, then it's legal. What you're doing is okay um, from a legal standpoint. What they don't know and what Planned Parenthood did not disclose is, of course, that for most of these cell tech companies, they actually come pick up the babies themselves. So there are no shipping costs. Um, the handling and processing and storage, these babies are handled and processed no different than babies that would go into standard biohazard medical waste. So it's all a farce. Okay, it's it's all a lie, mm. but as long as they can line item it correctly, 
then they've been allowed to get away with it for many years. And I remember when I was at Planned Parenthood, um, we had an entire webpage that talked about this altruistic program that we had to help cure diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And we know that's all a lie, too. Um, but, you know, an industry that profits off the killing of the unborn is not one to really tell the truth. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely, when I worked there, uh, when we participated in this program, we would actually give women an incentive. So if they, if they allowed us to enroll them in the program, if they consented to the program, then we would take $50 off their abortion procedures. Um, so it's, it's all very tricky the way that they handle it. Thankfully, more and more states, uh, have come out and have banned that practice altogether. Let's go for a moment to the, the really key event of both your book, it's how, how you begin your book, and as well as of, of the upcoming film based on your book, which is the moment you mentioned earlier where you you had to assist in a ultrasound-guided abortion, and you saw, in your words, a baby fighting for his or her life on the screen. Could you describe that moment for us and tell tell us what it felt like? You know, I felt um, it was shocking for me. Um, before the abortion took place, I, I remember feeling uh, very nervous because I had never participated like this before uh, in, in, abor- in uh, an ultrasound-guided abortion, which is typically not the standard protocol used inside of abortion facilities. Um, but when I, when I saw this take place, I just, I felt really disgusted, really, um, shocked and just honestly, like really stupid for believing, so eagerly believing the lies that the abortion industry had fed me for so many years not like I worked there for eight months. I mean, I worked there for eight years. I mean, I really bought into it for whatever reason, because I liked my salary, because I liked the prestige, I liked the awards, I liked famous people I got to meet, whatever it was. Um, you know, I had done all of this and, and had essentially coerced women into making a decision for abortion that was sacrificing their their children. And I knew that that was incredibly unjust. And I thought, you know, here I am working in this organization that says we're here to fight for justice for women, but at what cost? I mean, there's no justice when we're having to sacrifice the rights of, of someone else. What was it that you saw on the ultrasound that was so different from all the previous experiences that you'd had, uh, you know, helping with in the products of conception lab and all these things, what, what was it that you saw in the ultrasound that, that made that experience more, more, I should say jarring. Uh, What made that experience change your mind where previous experiences hadn't? You know, it wasn't, I've told people it wasn't seeing the death of the child. 
that caused me to change my mind, which is why I think I wasn't really disturbed by what I saw in the POC lab um, or what I saw in graphic images. I mean, I I knew that was that was happening. Uh, seeing the death of the child didn't really affect me, but it was seeing the life of this child, um, recognizing that this child had the same reaction to danger that any of us would have, that there was this fight-or-flight response that was innately inside of this child, even at 13 weeks, and just seeing that there were, that, that we were the same. We were different sizes, we were in different locations but that our humanity and our dignity was the same. And to see that dignity stripped away from someone, um, it's almost, you know, unbearable to watch something like that. Um, So it wasn't the gore of abortion that that changed my mind. It was really the humanity of of this innocent child. Um, That's what caused me to, to rethink all of this. What did you do after after seeing that? I know I know a lot of people uh, who haven't read your book, or perhaps haven't seen the trailer of the upcoming film based on your book. But what did you do right after that? Because yeah, you'd worked there for almost a decade. You'd been, you know, a, a model employee at Planned Parenthood. You'd climbed the corporate ladder. So after seeing this, what did you do next? Well, um, I went home that day and um, I was, you know, trying to uh, to wrap my head around what I had seen and, and just trying to gain some perspective. And I remember talking to, um, trying to talk to my husband about it. My husband was, was pro-life our entire, he, he has always been pro-life. And uh, I started being like, Abby, I just don't want to hear this. And I said, well, you've got to, because I I don't know who else to talk to about this. And so I was, you know, sharing that with him. And um, I remember he looked at me and he said, well, now that you've seen the truth, what are you going to do? And... I, you know, I said, well, I, I don't want to be involved in abortion anymore. You know, I didn't have this, this like immediate, like, well, I'm, I'm 100% pro-life now. You know, I mean, that right. wasn't, that wasn't what it was. It was, you know, it was just like, well, I, I don't want to have my hands involved in it anymore. So right. I, I think I have to leave. Um, I had, I didn't think that I was going to be able to leave my job at Planned Parenthood until I had another one lined up. And uh, But when I went back to work, I, you know, we weren't doing surgical abortions that day, but we were giving out the RU-46, the, the medication abortion pill, and I was looking at these women. They were coming in and out of the clinic with these little brown paper bags, and I knew that they were coming into our clinic, taking a pill that was killing their baby and going home to, to flush her baby down the toilet. And I just thought, I'm still here. I'm, you know, I'm still doing it. I'm still profiting off of, 
the killing of, of these children. And so that was, that was the day that I decided I, I couldn't do it anymore and that I, I needed to leave. And, um, and so, uh, I, that was when I went to go meet with the coalition for life, pro life group in my town. Um, and decided to, to go ahead and put in my, my resignation. And I was lucky because I, you know, I was very blessed because I, I, I grew up, uh, in church. I grew up with a strong faith foundation. Um, I, I had faith. I had a good support system. I had faith that, that God was not going to, um, leave me, that he was going to be there, you know, as long as I, I followed in his will. And so, um, I, you know, I felt comfortable, uh, to leave and, and knowing that my, my parents were there to help, uh, as well. So that was, that was when I, I made the decision to leave. In, in the time since you've left, because of what you know and the meetings you've been part of, how did Planned Parenthood react to you leaving? Well, you know, in the beginning they sued me, took me to court to try to get a gag order against me. That failed. Um, you know, I think... Um, I think that we're, um, Planned Parenthood tries to ignore me, (laughs) essentially. Um, They have a few times, you know, I've come out with things talking about abortion quotas or something, and they'll they'll have to make a statement saying, you know, oh, we don't have abortion quotas. And then I'll come out with proof um, that they do from a a budget, from a clinic worker. And and then, you know, they have to retract it and say, well, you know, yes, we do provide (laughs) it. um, so now when I make a statement about them, I think, I think they've learned that's happened about three times. So I think they've learned just to stay quiet. Um, because I think they don't know what evidence that I might have right. um, up my sleeve that, that could show that, no, they really are doing this. So. so your organization now, according to your website, has helped 430 people leave the abortion industry in total. If you had to take just one story from all those stories to share with our listeners, which story would you pick? Yeah, so I need to update that because we're we're now up to 487. Okay. Uh, workers who have left. Um, oh gosh, just one. Um, I think one of the most uh, impactful stories. Um, that we've come upon is uh, a gal that worked at Planned Parenthood in Maryland. There was a woman who came in. She was naturally pregnant with quadruplets. Wow. And her her boyfriend had taken her to another clinic um, to have uh, basically a forced abortion. And the woman had become very ill. Um she came into the Planned Parenthood, and these, of course, there's no doctor there. there there's no doctor, unless they're performing abortions, there's no doctor on site. So here are all these women who are, you know, probably, I mean, I guess they're all, they were all medical assistants, and they're trying to help this woman, and these babies, these four quadruplets, just start falling out of her. And... Um, it was heartbreaking 
for them to to witness that, to experience that. And so one of one of the women who was in the room during that time, she ended up leaving. But the whole staff that witnessed that was so affected by it that all six of them that were involved ended up leaving the clinic. Wow. Um, and all came through our ministry. And subsequently, that facility had to put a halt to performing abortions for quite some time until they um, could find uh, new employees. So, I mean, who knows how many lives were saved during that time right. um, because there there was an abortion access in that community. So final subject is you've now been approached to have a film done on your book. That film has been completed. It's now being uh, promoted. Uh, it's in the news quite frequently these days. There's, it's not often that there's a film with the uh, with Planned Parenthood being the subject of that film and, and your life, of course, um, being intimately described in, in, in many different ways throughout. How, how did this film come about? Did, they, did somebody just approach you and said, uh, hey, Abby, uh, we read your book and we want to make a movie? Yeah, uh, basically. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, yeah, I I got this very casual email from these two guys that I did not know, and they didn't really tell me anything about themselves. Said we've read your book, we've been praying, we feel like um, God wants us to to turn your your book into a, a film, and I was just sort of like, okay, <laughs> you know, sure. Um, and my husband ended up looking up their names and said, Abby, these these are the guys that, that actually did God's Not Dead. And um, and so I thought, oh, okay, this, like, this is actually a legitimate ask, you know, not just like two guys with iPhones and iMovie on their computers. So right. um, we started talking and, you know, and honestly, even then, I... I wasn't a huge fan of God's Not Dead. I don't I don't love cheesy Christian films, so I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, are these the right guys to do this? But um from the very beginning they were like, Look, you know, we're not interested in turning this into some sort of cheesy film. We want it to be very raw, very realistic, um, and and honest. Just an honest look at, at what's taking place inside of these clinics and, and what abortion actually looks like and um, and how it affects these women uh, who are having abortions. And so, um, yeah, we we made the deal. That was about four years ago. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's taken a while. We've just been waiting on God to, to really tell us, like, okay, now is the time to move. And he, he did that. Um about a year ago, the screenplay was finished. I approved everything. Um, we started casting, found the perfect cast, started filming, uh, filmed for seven weeks in April and May of last year. And now it's just been in production now these past few months. And, you know, we could have never predicted or planned that you know, this movie would come out at just the same time that all of these 
states are making these crazy, crazy abortion laws. Right, right. Um, so that was clearly God's timing, and I think it's it's the perfect perfect time to make this happen. Yeah, because that's that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie when you said. Uh, when you mentioned Christian films, that's my sort of reaction as well. I'm not the kind of guy who watches any of those, but a yeah. borderline docudrama about abortion at this time, when abortion's the number one topic in America all the time. So final question, what do you hope that does? Well, I'll tell you what. Nobody, pro-choice, pro-life, no one, is going to be able to walk in this film, walk out and say, well, I just didn't know what happened right. in those clinics. Everyone who watches this film is going to then be held to a certain level of culpability and knowledge. And what people choose to do with that is will be up to them. But, of course, you know, our prayer has been that this will bring about conversion in the hearts of many, and not just in the hearts of those that support abortion, but even people who check a box and say, yes, I'm pro-life. Hey, well, you can say you're pro-life, but what are you doing? You know, how are you acting on that conviction that you feel? And a lot of people have said to me, oh, Abby, it's just going to be Christians that go watch this film. And my answer to that is, well, fantastic. Because if if every Christian was actually living out their pro-life beliefs, we would have already seen victory in this battle. Um, and so I hope that it stirs conversion in the hearts of, of everyone um, who goes to watch the film and know that it's not a lame Christian film. <laughs> it's actually really good. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time to talk with us about this. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with pro-life activist and author Abby Johnson talking about her journey from the abortion industry to the front lines of the war against abortion. If any of you want to check out more of these podcasts, head over to LifeSiteNews.com. Thanks so much for listening this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week.